Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. It's not every day you interview the longest serving female police officer in the world. But that's my privilege today, sitting with Joy Murphy. The detective senior sergeant worked in the independent patrol group, the first rape squad and dealers squad, and the sexual offences squad. Joy helped coordinate the Sexual Offences and Child Abuse Investigations Team, or SOCKET, across the state, and is highly recognised for her police work, including an Australia Day Award. She's also been recognised as the most outstanding female leader by the Australasian Council of Women and Policing. Hi Joy and welcome to The Crime Couch. Hi Rochelle, it's great to be here. Lovely having you sit with me on the couch today, Joy. What inspired you to join the job? I was in the workforce, but not really committed to you know what I'd been doing. My brother was a police officer, and I listened to stories that he would tell about his job, and it sounded interesting. I wasn't sure if I was up to the task, but I thought, look, I'll just give it a go. And then I ended up joining. No regrets? No regrets at all. You've got a number of firsts under your name, haven't you? Can you just mention a couple of those? Well, I was the uh, first female voice at D24, first female to complete the 20-kilometre cross-country run at the Police Games. There's probably a couple of others there I can't think of at the moment. Uh, 50 years is a long time. (laughs) 50 years is extraordinary. To work for that long in the job... How did you become the first female voice across D24? Prior to joining Victoria Police, I was a radio operator for a taxi firm and a dispatch, doing dispatches. When I went to the A-District support group, I was sent up... At, uh, there were floods up in uh, Chuka and Shepparton, and I was sent up there in the command caravan to coordinate things there. Now, prior to going up there, they said, you better get up to D24 and have a go at the radio, which I did. And there's all sorts of strange reactions to a female voice coming across. And and there was a D24 phone that would come direct from police stations to D24. I, I would answer the phone and someone on the other end would hang up because they just weren't used to having a female voice at the end of the phone. So what, they believed it was a fa- uh, like a prank call? Yeah, I, I think so. Eventually people started to ring back, but uh, they probably went away and made some inquiries first. Extraordinary times. How limited was policing for women when you joined, Joy? Well, women were on a different seniority list in those days. Just prior to me joining, women could not be married uh, if they... Uh, were married they couldn't apply if they wanted to get married they had to resign so by the time I joined that had changed but only just you know probably about 12 months 18 months beforehand 
we were on a different seniority list. We could only go to certain areas within Victoria Police, which was, uh, generally speaking, we all went to the women police divisions. Mostly uh, you went to Russell Street. From there you got sent out to uh, suburban or country women police divisions that needed another policewoman. Or you got sent to Missing Persons Bureau where you did a lot of filing and admin type work, answering phone calls and so on. And the same with uh, IBR, which was Information Bureau. Some women went there and were doing admin type work. And that's the interesting thing. There, there seemed to be a real, I suppose, a, very much of a reduced role for police women in those days, at least until the uh, Equal Opportunities Act came in. You were part of the first rape squad, which was made up of six women. What was that like? Look, it, it didn't work out to be what I think they wanted, but at least it was a start in the right direction, acknowledging that the role there needed to be a, a role dedicated to helping women through the process. But during the day, I was in the dealer squad doing whatever work came along there, which might have been arresting offenders for um, selling stolen goods and going to court with it, and then I'd be on call at night. You would get called out at 3 o'clock in the morning, no on-call allowance, uh, you know, you'd have to jump in your own car and drive to Dandenong or somewhere like that, uh, one of the outer suburbs, to uh, assist the CI with a, a rape victim. Of course, then what I found the last time that that happened to me is I then had to go back to the dealer squad. I was out most of the night and had to go back to the dealer squad during the day and do my shift there as well, which was just crazy and... Yeah, not gonna... sustainable. No, well, we are going to get burned out uh, you know, very quickly, I think. And it really wasn't making that much of a difference you know, for victims of, of those crimes. In the past, prior to the rape squad, uh, the Women Police Division would do the victim management, which was organising a medical examination, uh, taking a statement uh, and that kind of thing. It was Look, they were trying something different. It might have had potential if they didn't require us to be, you know, doing a dual role as such. And as they say, to move the middle, you've got to start somewhere, don't you? I mean, you've got to at least establish a squad and even it having difficulties, it's, I suppose at least they were starting something. Yeah, exactly. And look, it did lead to, to other things. And, you know, now we've got sockets, which, you know, is the ideal solution. One of the problems with the, the rape squad and, and then the sex offences squad that came after that was that victims of those sorts of crimes, already traumatised, had to tell their story over and over with different police. And it started, you know, the policewoman that would come from the rape squad, sex offences squad, would have to tell their story to, to that person. And then that uh, they'd also have to tell that story to the detective who was investigating it. And then obviously further down the track to the court. And it was just a, a, a situation that really wasn't making it any better for victims. Did you see much discrimination as a young police female detective in the job, Joy? I think I was a bit blind to it in a way. When I joined, there was only about 200 women in the organisation. I think women are a little bit of a novelty. You know, the blokes liked having the women around. But I found the minute I started to move into doing work that they would normally do, that some people didn't really like having a woman there. And I found that when I was a detective and I went to uh, Heidelberg CIB, 
that certain blokes would not work with me because I was a female. Uh, they'd just go missing during the shift and I'd have to work on my own. And didn't you have at one stage someone comment about your new hairstyle? Yes, I, I did have uh, a, a perm and my hair was quite curly. It wasn't really an afro, but it, it was close, I suppose. And uh, this chief inspector said to me uh, he didn't didn't like my hair and he wouldn't go to my uh, hairdresser. And because he was as bald as a badger and I just said, well, I wouldn't go to yours. Do you find that that worked basically giving as good as you got? Yes, look, I, it gets me into trouble sometimes because I do... I. I tend to speak the truth. You know, I say what I think. Uh, I don't intend to offend people, but you know, in that situation, he, look, he took it well. He, you know, I thought I'd be in a lot of trouble for saving for saying it, but he just walked away with embarrassed, and that was that. You worked with an infamous and well-known police member, Brian uh, the Skull Murphy, while you're in the dealers. How would you describe your rapport and how would you describe Brian, who unfortunately, of course, has now passed? Look, I wasn't in the dealer squad at the time. I was actually attached to Heidelberg CIB and the request came in to provide somebody from Heidelberg CIB to work at the Metropolitan Regional Crime Squad where Brian Murphy was in charge. Being the only female in the office, I got the short straw and I was sent to work with him. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of chuckles in the office when I was sent because they thought, well, he'll he'll break her or uh, maybe she'll break him, I don't know. But uh, I, I ended up uh, working, I think, nearly 12 months and did some really good work and got commendation for a, an arrest uh, of a serial rapist whilst I was there. So uh, it all worked out very well. And, you know, I, I'm happy that I got shafted if you like what a way to explain it so you've got fond memories of brian yes look i have look he he was a tough guy and he swore a bit but he was also a very funny guy look i I really enjoyed the time i worked with him and i learned a lot from him i learned how to speak to criminals and that is really an important thing to to be able to do when you're a police officer particularly as an investigator and he often spoke a lot about that. When I interviewed him for the Billy Longley book, he spoke about how invaluable it was to build that rapport with crims. Yes, absolutely. Uh, look, there wasn't much that he didn't know around you know the criminal uh, world in, in in Victoria at that stage. He, he he knew a lot of criminals, some very shady characters. You know, you'd be driving down the street and he would point somebody out and he'd say, "Oh, that person's." so-and-so and and they've done this and uh, you know they've been in jail for that long etc it was just absolutely amazed me his knowledge joy you worked for most of your career in sex crimes did you choose this path or did it choose you look i think it really chose me but what i can say is that uh, when i was about 16 my mother was a victim of a rape a stranger rape and she wasn't treated very well uh, by the police at the time, you know, she she was one of two female taxi drivers in Victoria. She picked up a, a passenger, and he directed her to a uh, isolated location. You know, he he raped her, and when uh, she reported it, the police officer said, "Well, what do you what do you think expect? You're driving a taxi at night time." Well, it's it's as I said, it's not something that I purposely fired, but. 
it just sort of came along and, and maybe sub subconsciously I was directed you know towards that kind of a, a, a role in, in Victoria Police. You worked in the sex offenders squad Joy in the 1980s and worked very hard to help victims when they reported to police. What achievements are you most proud of? Look, I didn't achieve everything I wanted to at the um, uh, Sex Offences Squad. Uh, it was at a time when there was a lot of changes going on in the community. Um, uh, sexual assault centres were being set up at the Queen Victoria Hospital and a uh, short time later uh, Monash uh, set up a sexual assault centre. And I could see that uh, you know, if we looked after our victims, we got a better witness and uh, a better witness is, means probably a better outcome because, you know, your victims are traumatised. Uh, even if they don't say they are, they are traumatised by what's happened to them. And I, I could see that uh, there were benefits in doing that, but I did unfortunately meet with a lot of um, uh, objection to, you know, cooperating uh, and looking after the victim first, you know, like police, policing hates change. A lot of police members don't like change. And I was wanting to make a few changes here and there that would actually benefit the victim and subsequently benefit the investigation and the outcomes and obviously the community in the long term. And you certainly have, Joy, and society has changed, as have our attitudes to those crimes. And as a result, policing must change also. So well done on those achievements. What changes have you seen in sex crimes over the years? Has it become easier for victims to report? Look, I, I think it is, and I, I, I can't say that you know Vicpol are responsible for all the changes. I think people generally are more happy to talk about some of these things, but certainly, um, you know, with having uh, socket units uh, today, you know, we've got uh, a process now that's much more streamlined. Uh, a victim reports their sexual assault uh, and has one investigator and that investigator stays with that investigation from start to finish. And I think that in itself is um, a much better process because as I said, when, uh, under the old system, you know, victims were having to repeat this story over and over again so many times that it almost became uh, abusive in its own little way, you know, they don't want to have to say what happened to them. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating a lot of the time. And a lot of victims will feel guilt about the fact that, you know, maybe there's something that they did or, or mm. something that they didn't do that they should have done that would have prevented that offence happening. You know, it's probably one of the worst offences um, that can happen, I think. Uh, you know, homicide's bad, but then your victim doesn't suffer anymore once they're dead, whereas... A sexual assault victim will go on feeling traumatised by what happened to them for many, many years after the offence. And I think, Joy, the other thing is when you repeat the incident, you re get re-triggered, which often occurs unless you get counselling. And even then, if you do get counselling, it still sticks with you because it's such a traumatic experience. Look, it's, it, that's exactly right. Um, that experience will stay with them for the rest of their life. What I find now, having been in this crime theme for quite some time, is that victims will come forward now reporting historical sexual assault that they 
initially were never going to tell anybody about, but they've now got children of their own and they're at an age where similar to, you know, particularly when, you know, the offences happened uh, within the family, they, they then become worried, well, okay, this happened to me at this age. I, I don't want this to happen. I, I, this particular family member that's still around, I, I want to report now because I don't want that person then offending against my children. So it does stay with them forever. Joy, you received several commendations, as I mentioned, during your more than 50 years in the job. One was for helping to catch a serial rapist in South Yarra. What did you do? Uh, well, started off, we, we had a photo fit of what the offender looked like um, and he always uh, struck during you know the early hours of the morning. So um, this was when I was uh, working with uh, Brian Murphy, actually. We... We did about six weeks of night shift, just night, every night we were in that area. We knew the general area that he tended to uh, target and we walked around, rode a bike, you know, we, whatever. You know, we just walked around all night looking for somebody that vaguely fitted that description. And, uh, you know, on the, the night that we actually caught him, I spotted this guy walking towards me and I thought, God he really does look like that photo fit so I had an ankle holster on and uh, I yelled out to him to stop I should have got the gun out before I actually yelled it because he ran and then I ran you can't get, you can't run and get a gun out of an ankle holster at the same time <laughs> anyway uh, a colleague was with me but he was across the road hiding behind a bush so he saw me running he started running and uh, this guy, you know, ducked down a laneway and we're chasing after him. And next thing I hear, bang, bang, and a whoosh, whoosh, which is a, a bullet going past my head. Uh, my colleague was shooting at this offender who was in front of me and uh, fortunately he missed me and, and the, missed the offender as well, which was probably a, a good thing. Um, but the offender disappeared. Uh, he'd gone into somebody's backyard, uh, disappeared in these, uh, a couple of laneways, and uh, we couldn't see him. So we uh, called in um, uh, a dog and uh, resources. Anyway, the dog eventually flushed him out, and uh, you know, we caught him. And uh, you know, we all got accommodation. For, I should have got a bit better of accommodation, given that I nearly lost my life that night. But, um, yeah, look, that, that was uh, an amazing experience. But we worked hard to try and catch this bloke. And Did yeah. you have a crack at your colleague for letting one go while you were running? Yes, I did. Uh, you know, I had, had a bit of a quiet word to him. <laughs> Maybe not so quiet, but, yeah, I did. I had a, a chat to him afterwards. I mean, he was embarrassed that he'd done it. It was just, he just did it automatically. Spontaneous. And, yeah. Mm. In your 50 years, what has policing taught you about people? Well, first of all, something I, I say often to people is that not everybody um, who falls foul of the law is necessarily a bad person. Um, some people make big mistakes and, you know, I try to treat people how I find them. That's something that Brian Murphy taught me too, is to accept that, you know, people make mistakes 
you know, there's a difference between making a mistake and then being pure evil, like that serial rapist that uh, I talked about. But, you know, people do do the wrong thing and sometimes they just need a bit of guidance. Joy, you're looking down the barrel of your retirement. How do you feel about that? Look, it's probably time. I'd keep going if I could, but unfortunately my body's saying no, not 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 too much longer. I'm still in and, and still going at the moment. I'm on some leave, but look, I think it's very close. How would you sum up your police life now, Joy? Interesting. I think successful. Yeah, I've absolutely loved being a copper. Is it a career that you'd recommend to a young person today? Yes, it is. Um, but I know that people coming into the force today look at it not as a lifelong career. Um, I think you know it'd be good if people did, you know, when they came in, you know, did experience the sorts of things that I did, and hopefully that will give them a little bit of uh, longevity in the police force. We do need people with experience. Unfortunately, I think you know the way things are today is that. We're losing a lot of that experience. And I know there's a lot of senior sergeants uh, on the cusp of retirement at the moment, so it's it's going to get worse over time, I think. I think there's a real brain drain, isn't there? And, you know, I think we're going to really miss that in our policing. How would you like to be remembered in the job? I'd like to be remembered just as a good person, a caring person. I've certainly displayed that in my career a number of times. I remember uh, when I was at the dealer squad, I charged a, a bloke with uh, handling stolen goods and he tried to sell it at a second-hand shop. Took him to court, he got two weeks jail. As he was being taken out of the dock, he called me over and said, you know, I've got a dog and four chooks at home. They won't survive two weeks. So I said, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll ring some rescue place and see if I can get some help for somebody to come and feed your dog and chooks. Anyway, I did that and they weren't very helpful. They said, yeah, put the chooks and the dog in the car and bring them to the, the rescue service. And I thought, no, that's not going to work and I don't want you know, a dog fight and a chook fight in my car. So I, I went to his house every day after work and fed his dog and, and chooks. When he got out of jail, I went and saw him. I gave him the receipts from the supermarket and he you know, paid me for what I'd spent. Anyway, uh, a little while later, it was Christmas, uh, I got a, a Christmas card in the mail from him which uh, said, thank you very much for your kindness. It had a little 50-cent tax ticket in it. It didn't <laughs> win, but you know, the, the thought of it, I was chuffed. I didn't expect to get that thanks. There's been other times I've done things uh, over my career. I got a letter just recently from a lady who was a... A victim of a serial rape about 40 years ago. She didn't know my name and uh, I was in a newspaper article probably about 12, 18 months ago and she got my name from that and uh, she wrote to me thanking. She said, I've been waiting all this time to find out who you were so I could thank you. So those little things, you know, make it all worthwhile. Well, Joy, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and I really must congratulate you on your extraordinary work in the job and for more than 50 years. Well done and thanks for sitting with me today on the Crime Couch. Yeah, you're welcome, Rochelle. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on the Crime Couch. Mm-hmm.